Warning. The following contains massive spoilers for the designated series. Listener discretion is advised. You're listening to the Television Archive, a show where we, the television-loving hordes of the internet, take a deep dive into what used to be in our beloved medium. My name is Thomas Michael Clark, and this is Band of Brothers. Episode 7, titled The Breaking Point. Yet another incredible masterpiece of an episode. Holy shit. This episode is freaking brilliant. It's one of those episodes where, and this happens a lot with a bunch of shows, but I don't think it's happened with Band of Brothers before this point. I could be wrong. Uh, I could be just forgetting a major episode that followed this template, but this is one of those episodes where it starts out and you're like, okay, everything's good, everything's good, everything's good, everything's normal, everything's normal, everything's normal, Uh, it's chugging along at the normal pace, Uh, this is a solid episode, not really a standout, but like a solidly helmed, well done episode, And then something happens so quickly that escalates everything ridiculously fast. And you're just left with your jaw on the ground like, wait, what? (laughs) What just happened? Wait, I, what? (laughs) Like, it's just like, good, 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 good. Not good, not good, not good. (laughs) Like, the alarm bells go off. So suddenly with this episode, like, this episode starts, and, like, the first 20 minutes to a half hour of it is just, because the whole point of this episode is Easy Company is, like, holding a line outside of this one town, uh, Foy, I believe it's called. They're holding the line, and they're basically just waiting for an assault to be prepared, 
while preventing the Germans from creeping forward more. Uh, they're trying to just keep them where they are for now until they're ready to take this town for the Allies. And so what you get is a lot of just people sitting in foxholes, just effing around, just waiting. And occasionally, uh, there'll be some firefights, some light firefights. Occasionally, something crazy will happen, like some idiot shooting themselves in the leg and then they bleed to death, which... Oh boy! <laughs> that... That was a thing that happened. That was a thing that very much occurred, and it was very stupid. But, for the most part, there's, like, nothing bombastic happening. It's really just, like, a lot of downtime, uh, a lot of shenanigans, just a lot of setup. A lot of dry, matter-of-fact, this is how time was spent when holding the line and not out of firefight moment. And then the bombs start falling. And holy crap. As soon as these bombs start falling. As soon as these shells start flying. As soon as shit starts blowing up. This episode takes a gut-wrenching turn. Starting with... Uh, Charlie Francis from Fringe, Joe, his name is, I'm finally learning people's names, seven episodes in, almost done with the show, and <laughs> I'm just now learning names, uh, Joe has a shell fall on him, and he gets his, his leg blown off, and oh my god, like, you hear the narration go... I wouldn't have been laughing if uh, I knew what happened to Joe. The second you hear that, and then you see Kirk Ace Veto, who does an amazing job at this sequence, by the way. Uh, you see him look down. You see his leg blown off. By the way, he had just returned after getting shot in the arm, I should mention. But, like, his leg's blown off. There's blood everywhere. And he's just, like, in this state of, like, shock, in this state of delirium. Like, his body, like, his body knows what happened, but doesn't want to... You know that state when you're, like, in this horrible trauma, but your body refuses... Your brain, rather, refuses to acknowledge it, even though your body is, like, yelling, Ah! Your brain just refuses to sort of make the connection. That's kind of what I feel like is happening with... Uh, Kirk Ace Veto here, as he's just, like, crawling along, like, I gotta get up, I gotta get up, I gotta get up, where's my helmet, I need my helmet, I gotta, I gotta get up, and, like, just watching him struggle, watching him, like, perceive that his leg is blown off, but not really processing it, and saying, I need to get up, I need to get up, I need to get up, uh, because he has shown himself to be very self-sufficient. He has shown himself to be, like, the definition of a soldier. Who gives a shit about, uh, my own physical ailments? I'm gonna fight with, uh, with my soldier friends, and I'm gonna uh, kill the Germans for America. Like, he's very much that type of soldier. That type of desperately wants to 
hold the line no matter what type of soldier. Like, we didn't need to be rescued type of soldier. And watching someone with that much drive, with that much self-sufficient nature, suddenly have his leg blown off and be in this bloody mess and, like, just have this mental disconnect of, like, I gotta get up, I gotta get up, I gotta get up. Like, it's it's heartbreaking. It's one of the most heartbreaking images this show has given us so far. It is horrific to sit through. It really, really is. And it's just one of the most effective moments of this show so far. It's so, so incredibly well done. Like, it's brilliantly crafted. Like, the writers did a great job with this. Uh, the filmmakers did a great job with this. Kirk Ace Veto did a great job with this. Holy shit. And then someone comes over to help Joe, and is just, like, sort of slowly dragging him towards a foxhole. Uh, Neil McDonough, Damian Dark from Arrow, fuck is his name in this show. See, I told you I'm remembering names. Seven episodes in. <laughs> Two-thirds of the way through the show. <laughs> uh, Buck's like, hey, hurry up! Hurry up! And, like, it's just, like, slowly dragging him, and then a freaking shell just, like, hits them, like, dead on. And you see this horrific image of these, like, two soldiers, Kirk H. Veto and the other guy, just sort of... just sort of out on the ground, just sort of there. And they are super mangled. They are, like... They're bleeding profusely. And in very bad shape, to say the least. Like, they are a horror show, essentially. And how the hell they lived for any length of time after that shell dropped on them, I will never understand. I guess it dropped, like, just behind or just in front of them. That's the only way they could have possibly uh, remained alive. Uh, But it definitely landed close enough to knock them on their asses and to... F Kirk Ace Veto up a little more and to F up the guy dragging him quite a bit. Uh, I can't remember if the guy dragging him survived. I know Kirk Ace Veto survived and was just, like, shipped off. But I can't remember if the other guy survived. Uh, that, that's, that's me being an idiot and retaining too much at once. Uh, but anyway, this one moment where Buck comes out of his foxhole, sees his friends like this on the ground... And, like, it's just, like, stunned. Just can't process. Like, and he even has trouble getting the word medic out. He's like, medic! Like, he has that little stammer and then, like, drops his helmet on the ground. Like, it is... It's a really, really devastating moment. Uh, And thankfully, they were able to get both of them out of there. Uh, at least Kirk Ace Veto survived and was just shipped off. Uh, I can't remember, again, if the other one survived. I'm an idiot. Uh, please, uh, if you remember better than me, call in and tell me, because I'm a dumb. And then after that, of course, because... This is just a normal response to seeing two of your friends, like, blown up, bleeding to death, in a mangled mess, 
on the ground because this is just a normal response uh, to seeing your friends getting blown up. Like, Buck is now irrevocably changed. Like, he has this shift in him in this moment, and you sort of see him in certain sequences afterwards, and he is just, like, shut down. He is just shut down. He's backed away. Like, he just can't handle what has happened here. He just can't process this image, and I've seen enough post-war movies to know what comes next, and what comes next is crippling PTSD. So, he's got that to look forward to, but seeing him after this horrible, horrible image got burned in his brain uh, is just so, so, I'm using this word a lot this episode, but so heartbreaking. Uh, and we got a couple other uh, horrible moments happen. Some guy gets trapped under a tree. Uh, two people have, like, a shell land right on their foxhole, and they just get blown out of existence, basically. Uh, there's actually one shell that lands on this one foxhole and ends up being a dud. So you have these two soldiers just slowly making the realization, Oh, shit. We should have died just now. We should have died. That was a dud. By all accounts, like, we should not be alive right now. Like, it's a... It's a horrifying, horrifying sequence. These bombings. Like, these are really horrific moments that just happen so quickly and are so brutal that they just they just get at your soul and it's just really really hard to watch uh and this has irrevocable effects psychologically uh you see that one dude digging a foxhole with his bare hands uh you see malarkey uh just borderline shut down because two of his friends got like pummeled in a foxhole and it's just it's this horrifically psychologically effective like it lingers this is a lingering episode both in the brutality of the bombings and the psychological effect afterwards on these soldiers which they handle perfectly by the way they really really do it's really fantastic uh, and then eventually they do this battle, and it's this epic, drawn-out little taking of this town. Uh, the same way Band of Brothers usually does, these long, drawn-out, uncinematic, to-the-point action sequences, battle sequences. They take the town, have to deal with one last sniper, but for the most part, uh, all of this winds up a success. All of this ends up being... Uh, they took this town, they got it back from the Germans, so all of this was not for nothing, but... Ooh, they still lost a lot of people. In fact, at the very end, they do say before they went into Belgium, they had like 145, 
And afterwards, they had like 63, so... Yeah! But what I also really want to talk about, I really want to spend time on the story of this idiotic CO that took over from Winters, and they spent a lot of this episode focusing on. Uh, Lieutenant Dyke. That is literally his name. His name is literally Dyke. That is unfortunate. Uh, <laughs> uh, but he basically just came in, and it was just one stop up the ladder. Like, literally, he's just one of those guys who loves to climb up the command chain, but couldn't give less of a shit about the field. He would just love the power. Kind of like Sobel, but without any of the drive that Sobel had. So arguably worse than Sobel, because at least Sobel was just an idiot. This dude was flat out negligent. Uh, in fact, they say very early on, Dyke's not a bad CO because he makes bad decisions. He's a bad CO because he makes no decisions. And he'll literally just disappear for long stretches of time, taking a walk. And literally everyone, even Winters, is just like, man, if I could replace this dude, I would. But I can't right now. Like, I don't have sufficient grounds. And this dude's just a useless idiot who never shows up. Uh, in the harsh moments, he kind of walks away. Uh, in one of those horrific bombing sequences, he's like, uh, uh, you deal with this. I go for help. I go for help. I leave now and get help for for getting bombed on. I go for help. I useful. I commander. I am commanding officer of Easy Company. I am big strong man. I have power. I go for help. I not sit and take the bombings with my soldiers. I leave them to do it. I'm commander. I go for help. What an idiot. And then you go into that battle. And freaking Donnie Wahlberg, uh, Lipton is his name, flat out says, Look, if Dyke leads Easy Company tomorrow, he's going to get a lot of people killed. And so Winters, like, tries to, like, hold his hand, like, okay... Here's the plan. Do this, 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 and this. Okay, got it. Don't be an idiot. Go. And then Dyke goes in and immediately, like, just stammers, like, uh, I don't have a plan. I don't know what to do. Let the sit here be sitting ducks. And I, don't, I don't know what to do. I have no field experience. I am commander. I, I, I tell people what to do. I don't do things myself. I am idiot. And then eventually Winters is just like, okay, fuck this. Spears, relieve him of of command. You're leading easy company now. Just just do it. We can't have this guy anymore. And then this Spears dude comes in and finally is like, okay, we're doing this, 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 and this. We have an actual plan now. Now we have a good CO. Uh, we're, we're not going to be stupid like this idiot. Just, just do the thing. Do the thing now. And then he ends up being the one leading them to victory. Meanwhile, Dyke is, like, off on the back burner, relieved of command. 
Uh, he's out of there. Thank God. And in the final sequence, uh, Donnie Wahlberg, uh, Sergeant Lipton, gets the news that he's going to be the next commander of uh, Easy Company. He's going to get a promotion. He's going to get a promotion to lieutenant. And he's going to be the guy. Yay! Much, much more deserved than uh, <laughs> than that last asshole. Uh, much more deserving of that position than the last idiot. Uh, I will say my one issue with this episode is the totally random use of narration. This happened at the end of episode two. For for some reason, Band of Brothers thinks that just sporadic narration is fine. They only use narration when they feel like it, and so it's in no way consistent. So, like, wait, why does this have narration, but this not? Like, and the narration doesn't really add a whole lot much. It's just... It's just sort of there. Uh, it's just... I don't know. I don't know why they felt the need to put narration in this episode, but who cares? Uh, this is one of the most impactful episodes of Band of Brothers yet. It is incredible. It is absolutely magnificent. I cannot praise it enough. Uh, three episodes left. So, getting closer to the end. Uh, if you like this, favorite the podcast, anchor.fm slash TV archives, so you can be here every single Monday through Friday as we go through every single episode of this and other shows. And you can find it on pretty much whatever podcatcher app you prefer. Feel free to call in as well. It's simple as just a pushable button on the Anchor app. I'll play those on the show from time to time if you feel so inclined to send those in. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram, TomTom4468, and support the show. Patreon.com slash ThomasClark. Pledge just a dollar a month. I appreciate everything I get through there. Or, if that doesn't work for you, you can also support the show directly via Anchor. I appreciate that as well. Uh, Tomorrow we'll be discussing Episode 8. Talk to you then.